Today on Shtetl, we're headed to Sarajevo to hear about a gathering of 100 Jewish and Muslim youth that took place this past week and find out why a collective of artists clandestinely dug up a monument to Viennese poet Joseph Feinhaber. You can download this or past episodes of Shtetl on the Shortwave from iTunes or at shtetlmontreal.com. Gracias, Mancevico, que mandates corrido. Muchas liras me demandas, no ni acheta, mi señor. Muchas liras me demandas, no ni acheta, mi señor. Amanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanam
Okay, we're back on Stadel on the Shortwave on CKUT 90.3 FM. And while we're trying to get in touch with Ilya in Sarajevo, I think we're going to start with uh, our interview from Vienna. So Tatiana Kai-Brown is a student at the Academy of Fine Arts Vienna, and Edward Freudman is an instructor there. And they're both part of a collective at the school which looks at history and politics and how to intervene in public spaces. And in a square on the campus outside their school stands the statue of poet Joseph Weinheber. And last Friday, after a lot of planning and scheming, they disguised themselves as art restorers and took it upon themselves to alter the monument and to open up a difficult conversation in Vienna, which many people would rather not have. So this is Tatiana Kaibrown and Edward Freudman from Vienna, and I started by asking them who exactly is this poet, Joseph Weinheber. Joseph Weinheber was a German-Folkish poet in Austria who launched his career based on writings during the NS time. Uh, he joined the Nazi party already in 1931, which is very early. Uh, two years later, it should become illegal to be a member. Um, he received a number of prizes for, presenting, uh, for representing the national consciousness of the time. Um, after the Anschluss, he continuously writes and publishes new poems that glorify Hitler and Nazi Germany and is put on Hitler's list for the so-called divinely gifted artists. Why is he such a controversial figure in Austria today? Generally speaking, the problem uh, in Austria is that uh, very differently from Germany, Austria was never properly denazified. Basically, um, figuring out right after the, the, the Nazi time who, um, who was a perpetrator, who was a bystander, and to see like 
whether people could continue their careers uh, after the end of uh, Nazism in the democracy. In, in Austria, many perpetrators, many active Nazis became actually um, members of other parties uh, right, uh, right after the war. And uh, this is due to the fact that Austria considered itself as a victim of Nazism. And only, only as a result of uh, struggle, struggles uh, of many people, activists, intellectuals, artists, that, um, nowadays Austria is not considered a victim anymore, but is considered actually a, 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 an active uh, participant in the Third Reich. And uh, Weinheber committed suicide in 1945, like a few days, a few weeks actually, before the Red Army liberated Vienna. Um, and uh, and he somehow he somehow passed as a non-Nazi. And uh, many people refer to him in a, in a very positive way. The propaganda, the Nazi propaganda poems that he that he wrote are forgotten or hidden. Okay, so just this week you took an action on a statue of Weinheber in Vienna. Can you tell me what you did with the monument in his honor? The bust itself was finished in 1940, um, but it was only put up in the 70s, in 1975, directly in the park of the Schillerplatz in front of the university. Since then there have been several transfigurations, several graffitis that denote Weinheber as a Nazi or also once or twice the bust was stolen from its pedestal. This was restored time and again, uh, as well as the graffiti removed. And at one point in 1991, the city of Vienna seemed to have enough of these conflicts and decided to react with a reconfiguration um, in the sense of the sandstone pedestal being replaced with a material that is a lot easier to um, clean, so they chose marble. And in addition to this um, marble pedestal, they fortified this whole monument in the ground with like a huge one cubic meter uh, cement foundation. And what intervention did you do with this monument? Uh, last Friday, we we dug up the surrounding area of the monument, and with that, exposed the foundation. For us, it was important actually to to expose the entire ensemble of this uh, monument because we consider the the um, concrete foundation that is underground, uh, or let's say this metaphor for how the Austrian society dealt with its Nazi past so far, which is that um, we we behave like nothing had happened. Um, as soon as someone comes and uh, criticizes that and says, listen, um, there was something with Nazism, we just try to silence them. And we, we try, to, we try to, to really make everything in order not to talk about these issues. So Weinheber, this statue that you did the intervention on, is, it's not the only uh, monument or dedication to a Nazi poet or artist or thinker in Vienna? I mean... To begin with, Weinheber himself uh, is honored at uh, different locations uh, throughout the city. One is this monument, another one is a square that is named after him, and he is also um, 
he there is also a museum that uh, that has one room that is dedicated to him in other villages around vienna there are also some uh, honorary sites for for joseph weinheber in terms of other people like today actually uh, the press conference of a uh, uh, commission uh, who presented their results the research that they did in the in the last two years um, was to look at Viennese street names and they looked through thousands of, of street names and they um, actually checked the uh, the biographies and uh, found out that there are dozens uh, of uh, very problematic um, biographies and very problematic means that they were uh, in fact uh, perpetrators so it's not enough like they they uh, split it up into three categories like very problematic and like halfway problematic and also a little bit problematic mm -hmm. something like that and Weinheber for example he's only in the second category although he was a very very exposed uh, Nazi and a very active Nazi so I just talked to the to the uh, historian this morning who was in charge for doing this research and we asked him why why Van Hever is not in the in the in first category and he said well you know there were even worse ones so what are they planning on doing with these street names that they've they've deemed as uh, problematic are they going to change them i mean in general the city of vienna is like super super uh, restrictive with changing anything in public space like anything that relates to history and this includes uh, street names but also monuments and uh, they already announced that uh, actually they don't think that um, the changing names is, is a, an appropriate method to deal with this uh, with these problematic uh, biographies and what did they would i mean this is like the the city secretary in charge for culture what he proposed is actually to add some information plaques right at the at the spot Mm -hmm. uh, in order to in order to contextualize the street names. Okay, so back to the Weinheber statue. Your artist collective went in disguise in the middle of the day as art restorers and uh, to unearth the foundation of the monument. I'm wondering what the reaction has been to the intervention that you did. What happened to the monument since, and has it created the discussion that you were hoping it would create? We went on Monday in the morning to see what's happening, and actually we found. We came there and the um, Stadtgartenamt, the um, gardeners of Vienna, were in the middle of closing it and using the earth that we had undug, uh, putting it back in place. Um, so they undid your intervention? So they undid our intervention and even used the turf that we had bought and um, make it look like it looked before. Okay. What reactions have you gotten from the media about the intervention that you've done and from uh, the politicians that you were hoping would comment on it? The uh, strategy of the city was to, to cover up our intervention. They tried to prevent basically the, the, the public from talking about it. Why? Because there are elections in, in autumn and the and party, the Social Democrats that are ruling uh, Vienna in coalition with the Green Party, they always try to avoid this subject. So they thought 
if the media does not uh, report on it, we just go there, we close the intervention, um, and and uh, we behave like nothing had happened. But this didn't work out because there was a lot of media attention that started on Monday, that started basically parallel to the gardeners uh, uh, undoing the intervention. And then the city uh, uh, secretary for culture had a problem, you know, because uh, he, 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 he told the gardeners to close the the whole, but in the same time media asked him, so what's going on? What do you think about the intervention? And uh, then he had to actually say, I think he was forced in a way to say that he appreciated the intervention. And okay. That's a statement that was very surprising for us, because he is, when it comes to this uh, subject, you know, talking about history and critically reflecting on Nazis, he is uh, known as a kind of Mr. No, you know, he says no to everything. What we also like is that um, most of the media, and this applies to uh, to leftist liberal media, but also to uh, yellow press and also even like uh, right-wing liberal or conservative media, they refer to the monument as a Nazi monument, which was our wording and which we're very happy and also a little bit uh, proud of that we managed to hijack this public discourse. Because uh, whenever this person, this poet had been discussed uh, previously, there were a lot of uh, apologetic voices mm-hmm. who, who said, yeah, maybe he was a little bit of a Nazi, but okay, however, he's a great poet, and, you know, okay, maybe he was a member of the party, but, you know, not back then, you know, let's not talk about this, but let's talk about his art and so on. As Jewish artists and activists, how... And, and just as young Jews in Vienna, how does it feel for you to go to a park and see a statue like the, the statue to Weinheber? What, what, what does it make you feel? Um, well, first, I didn't know when I first started here at the Academy, I didn't know he was a Nazi, so I could pass by um, without thinking much. Um, but meanwhile, it makes me feel, um, I don't know. Uh, we love to talk about our feelings uh, <laughs> as Jews uh, in this city. <laughs> no, the, the problem is that we're often emotionalized in this topic and that we're put in a, yeah, in a spot where we're not, like our content is not being taken seriously sometimes, but um, just portrayed as um, having a personal problem with it. The angry Jews. And so you, you don't feel comfortable talking about how you personally feel about about seeing these these statues or these street names in your city because you feel like it delegitimizes what you're doing? It's not that, yeah, I, I guess something like that, but it's not that I would delegitimize it in that sense, but that it is being delegitimized. On the one hand, like if I look at it with a, with a certain distance and if I talk to people from other countries, for example, in Israel or in the U.S. or whatever, if I, you know, tell this whole story, the crazy story of how the Nazi poets got the monument in 1975 and it's still there, all it's absurd. You know, people don't even believe it. Like, they, I mean, what? Isn't Nazism over? And, like, you know, so that that's one feeling, you know, that you, that you really think it can't, it can't be, or, or that you really doubt whether this story is true or not. Um, then, of course, uh, when I'm here um, in Vienna, I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes very um, ready to struggle for these issues and very like, you know, it's part of my life and part of my political activity, part of my artwork as well, to deal with these subjects. And it is mainly a struggle, but I'm also, I'm also often sick of it. And I often think, okay, then, you know, if you don't, if you, 
if you, and with you I mean this uh, post-Nazi society of Austria, if you don't want to critically look at a Nazi monument, then fuck off. So would you say that you're hopeful that things um, things will change? Because, they, I mean, they did have this, um, this study that was done on the street names, and there has been this somewhat positive reaction to your intervention. Are you hopeful that there can be more dialogue in Austria, or do you feel like it's a lost cause? I personally am, of course, hopeful, even though I'm very doubtful at the same time. Because um, as we've experienced, often that one's being embraced or arguments are being embraced or even interventions are being embraced without um, without the topic being dealt with properly or so that's my main fear and like they say okay interesting good and then they'll just sort of brush it under the carpet and they won't really do anything significant they'll just say oh that's a nice intervention and then move on or what they're doing right now or my fear is what they might be doing now is um, saying yes, it's very important, but then taking such a long time to meet with us that the press and the public won't be interested anymore or that we won't be able to take this move that we have right now or the attention that we have right now. Okay. I mean, they tried right now, they try to slow things down. Generally, generally speaking, I think, of course, uh, things do change in Austria. Like, if you compare the situation now to the situation that our parents' generation faced when they were when they were struggling against uh, the remnants of, of Nazism in, in Austria. It's a very, very different situation. And for them, it was much harder because, I mean, harder, right? It was, uh, it was a different situation because uh, then, for example, you still had uh, a, a lot of Nazis around, you know? Like, we had a, a, a president, president of the Republic of Austria, who was elected in 1986, Kurt Waldheim, he was a member of the of the stormtroopers, of the Nazi stormtroopers. He was uh, involved in war crimes at the, at the Balkans. Um, and he was elected despite the fact that this was known, not only despite, but even because of it. And it worked out, he became the president. Hmm. However, like the discussion about him, about Waldheim, was a milestone in the struggles, in the, in the anti-fascist, struggles in post-Nazi space of Austria, um, a lot of uh, people actually started to understand that Austria was not a victim of Nazism, but that uh, Austria was an active part of, 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 of Nazism. I mean, for example, Adolf Hitler he himself, he was uh, Austrian, right? But many others as well. It's not about Hitler only, you know, like many, many, uh, many of the perpetrators were. And so that's partly what your intervention was about. It's not that you are hoping that they will take away a statue of Feinhaber, but that they'll interact with it and give it context so people can understand the history. You don't, are you, you're not suggesting that um, all these people's names should be taken off of the streets. It's, it's more that people should understand the history. We don't hope for uh, all problematic monuments or manifestations to be taken away. Um, but rather to see them um, as something productive where one can work on history. And the intervention that we did on Friday was not supposed to be an answer to how to deal with problematic monuments or Nazi monuments, but rather uh, raise the question of what to do with these. Mm -hmm. and, um, that, that's a I think that we have to differentiate between 
two things. One is street names, and the other is uh, monuments, memorial plaques, and stuff like that. Street name is a medium that is that is being used in very different contexts. First of all, it's written right on the street. Then it is uh, it is uh, used in maps, in a, in a city map. Then you can Google it and 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 see it on on Google Maps. Uh, it's printed on business cards. It's it's uh, written on on, on uh, right. letters, mm-hmm. uh, envelopes, and so on and so on. These are all places where you cannot contextualize a street name. You can only contextualize it right at the spot. There you can put a, like an additional plaque, but on an envelope you cannot write. I'm sending this uh, letter now to the University of Vienna that is located at the Karl Lueger Ring. And by the way, Karl Lueger was a terrible anti-Semite. Um, <laughs> On the other hand, you have uh, like those historical manifestations in public space that are really more or less only there at the spot, and these are usually monuments. Uh, you can inscribe certain information right at the spot. You can contextualize monuments. Now, then the other question is how this has to be done, uh, or how. The, can this be done and and like the the easy way to do it is to just put a plaque there like to have this huge monument of Karl Luega uh, the anti-Semite and to put a plaque there somewhere where it's written yeah Karl Luega was a great man but he was also an anti-Semite but to keep the monument as it is what we think is that in general in Vienna that we need a new approach and this would mean is also to artistically reconfigure such monuments Mm -hmm. because if we take monuments serious and then we also have to take their aesthetic serious so in a nutshell our position after dealing with this subject for quite a while is that uh, street names should be changed Um, there should be an information right at the spot that says this street was used to be called, I don't know what, problematic anti-Semite guy street, (laughs) but now it's called differently. Yeah, so that would be the contextualization uh, right at the spot. Okay. Um, And the monument uh, should be contextualized and uh, artistically reconfigured. All right, so that was Edward Freudman and Tatiana Kai-Brown talking about a very gutsy intervention that they did on Friday last week. And um, I think that uh, it'll be really interesting to follow up and find out how the city of Vienna reacts and what actions are taken or or if it does get brushed under the carpet. And every every city, every country, every, every group of people has a difficult history to deal with and challenging moments and challenging pasts. And so I, I find it interesting to, to hear just about different ideas of what we should do with street names and monuments. And also the idea that public space is for everyone to curate and not just um, city officials something to think about um, so we're going to take a quick break and listen to some music this is riff cohen we've had her on the show on the past and uh, she sings in arabic in hebrew in english and this song is called meshach be gufi
Hello, this is Rabbi Gershom Sizomu, the spiritual lead of the Abidaya congregation in Uganda. You are here live on Stato on the short web. All right, welcome back to Shtetl on the Shortwave on CKUT. I'm your host, Tamara Kramer, and I haven't been able to get in touch with them in Sarajevo. There's a problem with the line, which is amazing because that's what live radio is all about, improvising when when things don't go exactly as planned. So the great the great thing about this is that we can always speak with Ilya uh, about the Muslim Jewish Conference uh, later on and play it for you on the podcast. So that's more reason to tune into the Shtetl podcast at shtetlmontreal.com. And I'm pretty sure that while you're listening to that first uh, interview about uh, Joseph Weinheber, that you were that you were curious to hear, well, what is his poetry actually like? And uh, oh, here, take a listen. What did you think about my idea of reading a little bit from one of his poems? Do you feel comfortable doing that? I would love to do it. <laughs> of course, but we have to find it. We have to find it. I love his poems. Did <laughs> yeah. he kept reading poems to us all through the whole intervention time, though? Yeah. Okay, so Joseph Weinheber wrote this poem in April 1938 for the referendum that actually asked the Austrians whether Austria should become part of the German uh, Reich, and uh, Josef Weinheber's uh, thoughts um, on this uh, Deutschland, ewig und groß, Deutschland, wir grüßen dich, Deutschland, heilig und stark, Führer, wir grüßen dich, Heimat, glücklich und frei, Heimat, wir grüßen dich. And the translation goes like that. Germany forever enlarged. Germany, we salute you. Germany, holy and strong. Führer, we greet you. Homeland, happy and free. Homeland, we salute you. Führer, we salute you. I don't know, it's pretty, pretty simple, but very, very strong. Powerful, powerful writing by Joseph Weinheber. Uh, anyways, um, he apparently has a lot of other poetry that is written in um, a Viennese dialect, the Viennese dialect, which is kind of rare. And I think that's why people consider him an important poet today. Um, but nonetheless, it's uh, it's it's good to hear what he's actually written. So thanks to uh, Edvard and Tatiana for for doing the reading. And uh, especially with those sound waves in the background, it sounded like we were we we're getting a message from Weinheber from the past. So we're going to uh, go in a little bit of a different direction, kind of, you know, when things don't go as planned, you have to kind of call on God a little bit for some help. Uh, so that's why we're going to play some Vampire Weekend. That's a, um, an indie band out of Brooklyn, and they have a new album that I really like. And one of the songs, a couple of the songs on the album are pretty biblical. And this one is actually, it sounds like it's called Yahweh, but I think they really are kind of saying Yahweh. So anyways, take a listen. 
So we're back here on Stadel, and that was off of Modern Vampires was the weekend. Yeah, hey. Kind of like Yahweh. But this next guy that I'm going to play, he doesn't mince words. He's not He's not pretending. He's he's pretty sure what he's talking about. I've always wanted to play this song on Stadel, and uh, it's by Dan Byrne, who found out on a trip to Lithuania that his name was actually Dan Bernstein. And, um, and I'm really sorry uh, that we weren't able to get in touch. I think there's a technical difficulty somewhere along uh, the phone lines, uh, and so we weren't able to speak with Ilya in Sarajevo today about the Muslim-Jewish conference that took place there. It's the fourth time that this conference has taken place, and there were a hundred young Muslims and Jews who came together uh, to discuss all kinds of issues, and, and I'm so curious to find out what what the environment is like and what the purpose of the conference is and and how things turned out and so i'm definitely going to do a follow-up so don't fear we're going to find out about that um instead we're going to go with the flow and uh this next song is god said no by dan Byrne. i met god on the edge of town where the wind meets the stillness where the darkness meets the light Where the ocean meets the sky Where the desert meets the rain Where the earth meets the heavens On the edge of town I met God I God, do one thing for me, send me back in time, send me to Seattle, let me go, find Kurt Cobain, take away his gun, take away his bullets, talk to him, make him want to You would let your fears delay and distract you 
take a lover God said no God says no. God says no. I've always wanted to have Dan Byrne on Shtetl and talk to him about the song. I, I, I can't help but laugh when I listen to that song, but it's also pretty deep. Um, anyways, I guess you can't go back in time and change things as much as you want. So I thought that uh, maybe we'd go out with one last song and another one by the beloved Flora Yagoda, uh, the Sarajevo musician whom um, she was actually just here uh, last year, I think, or uh, yeah, last year at Klez Canada, which is happening again at the end of August. Um, and she performed and she's an amazing, wonderful woman with an incredible story. Um, so I think that pretty much brings us to the end of Shtetl on the Shortwave today. Thank you so much to Edward Freudman and Tatiana Kai Brown for uh, doing the interview this week and also to Ilya, who I just uh, heard from and and who apologized because uh, we just it, we just weren't able to uh, to make the phone call work. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll hear from him again in the future. And uh, oh, yeah, one last thing. Hey, if anybody wants to be a producer, we're looking for uh, producers, interns to uh, work on Shtetl on the shortwave. So if you'd like to do that, email me, Tamara at shtetlmontreal.com and and we can make radio together. Okay, this is Flori Yagoda. Have a great week.
las cinco de la mañana el gallo está gritando a todos despertando Pasieron las puriquitas, todas las están comiendo, aquí están bebiendo. Deja de mí. 